So if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to John 17. John 17, we're going to read verses 1 through 3. John 17, verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I know this is a familiar passage, especially that last verse 3 that we just read. But we're going to talk this morning about Christ being the life, and and that life comes to us through our knowledge of the Lord. It doesn't come through works or any other kind of way. It comes to us through our knowledge of the Lord. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. He says in the previous verse, in verse 2, He's praying to his father. Now, excuse me. Um, Thou hast given him power. Speaking of himself. You, father, have given me power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. The Lord Jesus is the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. But he also has the power to give life, to impart life to people, uh, to individuals that believe upon him. John says in John chapter 1, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Okay, speaking about Christ, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And then it says, in him was life, and the life was the light of of men, and the light shined in the darkness. Amen. The Lord stepped into this world in a human body. The Word made flesh. That's what the word incarnate means. When you see it on our doctrinal statement or a Christian's doctrinal statement, we believe in Jesus uh, incarnate. That means God incarnate, that Jesus Christ was God robed in a fleshly body, incarnate. And so he came, and that life was the light of men. And so it is the work of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, to reveal Jesus Christ. I'm going to talk to you about a lot of things that may seem basic and elementary, but this is what the Lord has given us for this morning, and I know he would have us to hear it. In the days in which we live, y'all, it's important that we're grounded and established in the truth. Amen? We all know that. Eric preached a couple of Wednesdays back on uh, truth versus lie and the warfare that we're in for truth, and it's important that we're established and we know what we believe. We need to know what we believe. We need to be grounded in it. We need to be so strong in it that we're not shaken. We're not shaken. What if everybody in the church all of a sudden got up and left and nobody believed this stuff anymore? Would you still believe it? Are you that grounded in it or are you you staying in it because of circumstances and people and situations? What if you were the only one? We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. And we need to be grounded and established in the truth. Thank God we're not the only ones. Amen. The Lord has given us each other in these last days to worship him together and to grow together. But it's the work of the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Christ, to reveal Christ. What is the Holy Spirit's ministry? Well, he has his many ministries. But I would say chiefly and primarily, it's spoken of in the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit is given to men to glorify Christ, to testify of Christ, to make him known, and then to lead men to the Lord. 
to bring us under conviction of sin, to magnify Christ, to reveal him to the hearts of people, to where we understand it. I would say like the, the light bulb begins to come on or it clicks on. We've heard these words maybe many times, but at some point we are, we are illuminated by the Holy Ghost. To, to understand and believe this. He's always going to be pointing to Christ. The Holy Spirit will always be speaking and doing and moving in such a way that brings you to Christ and brings you to a closer walk with the Lord if you're already saved and to magnify him. He'll also speak and do only that which is in, in perfect harmony with the word of God. So why do, we, why do Christians stress the Bible so much? Well, the Holy Spirit's going to lead us into all truth, and the word of God is truth. Jesus is the truth. His word is truth. He said in this same chapter, Father, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so we walk in the light of the word. The Holy Ghost leads us. We don't worship the Bible. We worship the God of truth. Okay. But the Holy Spirit takes the word of God and makes Christ known to us and makes his will known to us through the word of God. And so I'll just quote a couple of scriptures here just real quickly about the Holy Spirit and him glorifying Christ. Jesus said in John 16, he shall glorify me. He's not going to glorify you. He's going to glorify Christ. And if you're walking in Christ and I'm walking in Christ, then that what we're doing, we're singing or preaching or teaching or living and giving in such a way that it's Christ doing that through us. He's going to glorify Christ in us as well. Okay, but he came to glorify Christ. Jesus said, he'll glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. Okay, and so he takes what's of the Lord, specifically of Christ, and shows it to us. And so he wants to lead us to Christ so that we'll come into that life, come into eternal life. And then there's also an abundant life, right? Eternal life through Christ comes no other way, but also abundant life after we're saved, that we would walk in the, in the depth and the fullness of Christ. There's always more. And that's what's encouraging to me. It's not like we get saved and then that's it. Okay, what do I do looking at my watch or calendar until I die, wondering what, what's next spiritually or in my relationship with God, I guess just heaven. No, there's a whole lot more between your salvation and my salvation and heaven. And that's what most of this New Testament is speaking of. It's a walk with Christ that he might be glorified through our lives, amen, as we come or become more like him. But we, when we come to light, the Holy Spirit brings us to Christ that we would have this life, okay? This would be like a, a summary of the sermon this morning. But the Lord does not just give to men life. He doesn't just something apart from, you know, himself as though I would just give you this bottle of water. And it really has nothing to do with me other than, I'm the one that gave it to you. But it's not like that when it comes to the Lord. When he gives us life, it, it, he gives it in and through his son. In other words, we don't just take life. We take Christ. We take Christ, okay? And the Bible says in Deuteronomy 30, 20, that the Lord is your life. He is your life, okay? He is the life. He's your life. And so he does not give life to men separate from himself, as though it's just a gift, and here's another gift, and here's another gift. He gives gifts to men, amen? Every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord, but it all comes to us through Christ and to our, through our knowledge of Christ and our relationship with him. And so 
Um, this is very clear in the Bible. And so what happens is once we come to know the Lord, this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Okay? People might say, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus. Or I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe he's the son of God. Or I believe he was a good prophet and a preacher and, and one of the Lord's uh, chosen people, but I don't believe he's the son of God. All these different beliefs. But what we have to believe is what the Bible says. Okay? I, we believe in God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. The only true God. He's not my way only. is the way. No man comes to the Father but by him. And so there's a spiritual education, I guess you would say, a learning of the Lord of life. It's an education in life. Once we come to Christ, that we grow in that. And that's what I really want to speak to us because primarily when I'm preaching in the church, I'm preaching to people that know the Lord. Amen. And so it's a spiritual education in life that is ongoing throughout our lives in Christ. Whatever day you in your life that you said I do to the Lord and you meant it, it has to be that day. Amen. There's that time when you truly were born again. Then we, we came into this life and then there's an education. I'm just using that word. It's a teaching. It's a growing. Okay. A learning of the Lord. And so we're drawn by the Lord. We come to Christ. We believe upon Christ. We surrender to Christ. We're born of his spirit. His life is now in us. And then we grow in that. We learn and we grow. What does Jesus say? I quote it all the time. And he says, um, take my yoke. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Amen. And then he says, take my yoke and learn of me. Right? He doesn't just say learn about me. It's interesting. He says learn of me. It's that we're really learning Christ. We're not reading a history book just with some facts about this man and he was born in Bethlehem and so forth. We are learning Christ. We learn, take my yoke and learn of me. And when we're yoked together with Christ, the two act as one. I know that you've seen yokes before, you know, uh, uh, printed out pictures of them so I could teach the Parkview Bible study, you know, and teach the kids. I print out big pictures of a yoke when I teach this, this lesson. But when the two, the, the two parties enter, two animals enter that yoke, it's, that the whole purpose of it is that they're yoked together, that they become one. They're not two more, uh, any longer two oxen, one wanting to go this way and one, one wanting to go that way. They are, for that time that they're yoked together, they're one. And they're going in one direction. And Christ is the main party in that. And he says, take my yoke. It's his yoke. Learn of me. And we're yoked together with the Lord, and we grow in the Lord. And we, we are, as we grow in the Lord, what else happens? We're being conformed to his image, right? We're conformed to his image. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I will say this. If we are being, if we're walking with the Lord and growing in Christ and being conformed to his image, then that's, that means that there's going to be more Christ-likeness in us, in our character, and our nature. This, this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. If somebody says, I'm really mature in the Lord, and yet in their life is filled with worldliness and bitterness and dis disrespectful to parents or whatever it may be, indifferent to other people and their souls, and they're, and they're selfish, and they're saying, I'm really mature in Christ, then they're not, okay? We're, we're growing in the Lord is going to be in direct in our Christ-likeness. Not just an education of facts, but an education of conformity 
where we become more like Christ. We are, and it's a working of his spirit in us as we make him the focus of our lives and a pursuit of our lives. Amen. We grow in this. And so we're educated in this ongoing school from the moment we get saved. We're taught by the Holy Spirit. A couple of more verses about the Holy Spirit just real quickly. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. So that's that school, right? That's that education. But what specifically is he teaching us? And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. One more scripture. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And so they all working together. The Holy Spirit is, but has the purpose of glorifying Christ. And so when you gave your life to the Lord, at that moment, I say this all the time, when we're, that moment we pray, maybe as a child, maybe in vacation Bible school, maybe as an adult, but we pray to give our lives to Christ. I don't think at that moment we understand to the depth that we understand now. We understand the gospel Understand that we're a sinner in need of salvation, that Christ is that Savior who died for my sins and rose again, and we give our lives to Christ. That, that spiritual education, that his life enters into us, and we actually enter into life. It's both. Life enters into us. I'll just quote a scripture. John said, uh, Jesus said in John chapter 5, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever heareth my words... And believeth on him that hath sent me, has, hath everlasting life. So when we believe, we receive everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Uh, you hath he quickened, says in Ephesians 2, 1, who were dead in trespasses and sins. You hath he quickened or brought to life spiritually, who were dead in trespasses and sin. But also... Not only do we receive the gift of eternal life, it comes into us. Our body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's very clear that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit from that moment forward. But also, we enter into life. We enter into Christ. We are in Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit. We're part of his body. We're in the, where are we pictured? Where does God see us, the Father? He sees us in his Son or out of his Son. If we're lost, we're out of his son. Even if we're in church, if we're saved, we're in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So life enters into us. We enter into life. And once we're in, in Christ and we're, you could say we're in life for the, the, the sense and what we're talking about this morning, you and I are called as believers and every believer to, to make certain decisions and to take certain actions according to the word of God that, for lack of a better terms, would be in relation to this life. In other words, I said at the beginning, it's not finished when you get saved. It's not over. If it was just over and, okay, I got my fire insurance policy. When I die, I'm not going to hell. I'm going to stick that in my back pocket and I'll hang on to that. When that time comes and I die, whenever it is, I'll be ready and I'll pull this out and say, here's where I trusted in Christ. That's important. We need to have that, okay? But that's not the whole Christian life at all. We come into a relationship. We are the sons and daughters of God. We are part of his body. His spirit is in us, and we are in him. 
and our lives are to glorify Jesus Christ. He does say, take my yoke and learn of me. There's a lot more that lies ahead. To as many, I uh, came unto his own, his own received him not, says in John 1. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become what? Converts to go to heaven one day? To, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Sons of God. It's a child. It's a relationship. And so there's a walk and there's an education and there's a growth and a growing in the Lord. And so we are called in that walk with God to, to make choices and decisions and changes in our lives and directions in our lives that would tend to life, that would tend to Christ, that would tend to the truth, that would always, uh, wherever the Lord leads us by his word, by his Holy Spirit, we're to turn with him at every turn. That's the best way to go. Not only is the safest and the best and all, but that's the way that's going to tend to life, that's going to lead to abundant life and more life. We're already saved, so we don't make these choices uh, after we've given our life to Christ. In order to be saved, we're making choices for Christ after we're saved because it's what we're called to do, and that's the way to a fullness of life in Christ. We're not talking about earning salvation. We're talking about obeying the Lord once we're saved because we want to walk in the light as he is in the light. If, you, if we walk in the light as he in the, is in the light, John said, we have fellowship one with another, and, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We have choices to make. And so I want to read this. Uh, I'll just read it from Deuteronomy. Now, I know this is an Old Testament passage, and this is dealing with, with Israel. This is prior to them crossing the Jordan River. They've already wandered through the wilderness 40 years. They're on the brink of the Jordan River. They're about to go in and possess it. He's told them all about it, all the paganism and hedonism and idolatry and how you're to not mingle with them and mix with them. They're wicked people. I'm going to drive them out. You possess the land and keep my commandments and do what I've called you to do. It's going to be wonderful, and I'll put all these blessings upon you. And Moses is about to die, okay? And he says to the people, the Lord says through him, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death. So we're talking about life in Christ, okay? I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God and thou mayest obey his voice and that thou mayest cleave unto him for he is thy life and the length of thy days. The Lord is our life. Even Old Testament. I know that's an Old Testament passage. But still, the point is here that God lays before us a path. He lays before men a choice. We have to, it's clear in the Bible that men, human beings created in the image of God, we have a free will. People can choose Christ or reject Christ. I do not believe in the doctrine of a, a predestination when it comes to salvation. But predestination on other things, yes, but not for individual souls and salvations. I don't believe in that, that doctrine. Here we have uh, the people are given a choice, choose life. And the Lord even tells them, go ahead and choose life. Listen, choose life. The Lord is your life. Choose the Lord is what he's saying and walk in his ways. And so you and I were saved now, but we still have ways set before us. And 
And that's really not a million different ways. It may look like a million different ways. I want, you know, it's a person want to choose uh, this religion or that religion or no religion or atheism or whatever. Or, uh, it's really not that. It's Christ or not Christ. It's life or death. Very simply, that's the choice that's set before a lost man. But even before you, as a believer, and before me, the Lord is setting that choice before us. What are you choosing today? What are you choosing today? Every little time, there's a little a choice, a big, small, or medium-sized choice that comes up in your life, whether it's morals or whatever it may be, or temptation to sin. What are we choosing? There's still the choice before us. Even as Christians, if we die, we're going to heaven. But what, are, what, what am I choosing from day to day? Does it glorify God? Is it in obedience to Christ? Is it in what the Holy Ghost is leading to me, me to do? Choose, it's really not a million choices. It's choosing Christ and choosing life. And the other way, all the other ways lead to death. There's no question about that. It might not appear that way. This may appear like two wonderful choices. And I'm talking about something morally or something like that. But they're not two wonderful choices. The Lord is leading us to this. This is life, and this is death, and we need to see that, and that's part of our spiritual education, amen, and grown in the Lord. So we've already entered into life, and life has entered into us, and yet the believer is called to make choices, choices not for salvation because the believer's already saved, already trusted Christ. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians, not as though I had already attained. I really don't know how old he was and how many years he had been saved when he wrote this, but he was saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost, an apostle to the Gentiles, and writing to the Philippians from a Roman prison for the cause of Christ. His salvation is not in question. He still says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, that means complete or full. But I follow after Jesus. The word follow is not just lazily following along, it's a pursuit. I pursue after God, if, I, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We all know that passage. Why would he have such a, a striving? Why would he have such a, an effort to press after Christ when he's already saved and when he dies, he's already assured of going to heaven? The blood of Jesus has assured us of that. The righteousness of Christ. I don't want to make you feel unsaved, okay? You've given your life to Christ, and you're, you belong to him. You're saved. But there's still, the Apostle Paul saw it. He was learning. He was growing in it. Christ is everything, and he is worth everything. He is my everything, and I am pursuing after him with all of my heart. So whatever choice, choice I have to make, uh, come to prayer. I'm just using this for example. This is not condemnation. Get up and pray this morning or don't pray. I'm going to choose to get up and pray, even though I'm sleepy, because that's going to tend to, to life. That's going to be leading to Christ. That is what I want. Ultimately, whether I'm sleepy or not really is not the point. The point is I know by faith that's what's leading to life and to Christ and to fullness in Christ. I'm going to read my Bible today or I'm not. I'm going to, whatever, all through life, every one of us. Not a question of your salvation. If you're saved, you're saved. It's a question of pursuing. Paul says, I have not already attained. What, he had, what had he not attained? He had not attained the fullness or the completion of his 
the life that Christ had for him, there was more in Christ. There was a fullness. You could say more in ministry, and I'm sure there was. But I believe he's talking about fullness in Christ and entering into heaven when he does go there with a full reward, attaining everything in this life that the Lord has for him. That's what he's pursuing after because God saved him for a purpose. The Bible says, uh, he says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, I'll just read it, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. Well, wait a minute, why do I have to lay hold on it? Timothy was already, he's writing to Timothy. Timothy's already a Christian. He's already a minister and a pastor of the church at Ephesus. And yet he's telling him and he's telling us, lay hold on eternal life. There's, there's a laying hold on it. He says, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So this is not working for salvation. This is what the Bible calls working out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is a pursuit of the Lord because he's worth it. And I didn't know it before I was saved, but now that I'm saved, I know it and I see it. He's worth it. He's worthy. And the Holy Spirit keeps saying, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He's worth it. He's worthy. Live for God. What about this? My, my job. What about my family? All those in, in their proper place, but God's worth it. Live for the Lord. Live with God and for the Lord. He'll give a proper place to job and family and, and goals and pursuits in life that we have. And they can be sanctified and passed through the fire, so to speak, and he allows us to, to walk in those, or maybe he takes some away. But the point is that there is a pursuit, okay? And we grow, we're saved, and we're forgiven. And I'll say this, y'all, there, there has to be a place, and I would say it's more than one place, but there's times in our life we have to make a very definite choice. You know, when the Lord says, choose this day, right? I set before you life and death, choose life. And so there are choices in life, and in that choice we can't just uh, cross our arms and say, well, I'm not interested. In other words, I'm indifferent. I'm really not going to pick anything. I'm not going to be forced into this choice. If it's a God thing, we are going to be brought to that place. And he's going to want us to decide. If you're lost, he's going to say, choose Christ and live. If you're saved, he's going to say, choose Christ and walk in abundance of life. Walk in the fullness of what the Lord has for you. But in the choosing, we very definitely have to reject one. Clearly say, okay, I I'm separating myself from this, and I'm definitely positively choosing this. We don't just sort of uh, uh, drift into one or the other. There are choices that we make, and we say, I'm refusing that. I am choosing this, and this is what we're choosing. We're choosing Christ. It's a very positive, definite, deliberate choice that I say, I'm choosing Christ. Uh, I, I, I remember a testimony I heard. I wasn't planning on sharing this, but just I've shared it before. There was a, a minister. Uh, well, he's now a minister. He wasn't at the time, but uh, his name was uh, Josh McDowell, and he's written books and a Christian speaker. He was not a Christian, and he, when, he, when he was in law school and studying, he was going to do his big thesis to graduate, his big final ending thesis in law school, on to just disprove the Bible, that it's false, and therefore Christianity and so forth is false. So he, he starts out to, to prove that, and he starts his studying. I would say at least he was an honest skeptic, like a lot of people are not. 
he started studying and research, and the more he researched, the more he became convinced that this stuff is real, this stuff is true. He ended up getting saved. He ended up dating a Christian girl. They were both Christians. Uh, they were engaged. They were planning on being married, and they had a date set, and everything was planned, and he had to take a trip in the meantime, and coming back on the airplane, traveling, his, his fiance was going to be there to meet him at the airport. The Lord says, that's not the one I have for you. That's not the one I have for you. Now, this came as a real blow to him because he, he's like, Lord, she's a Christian. I'm a Christian. What's, what's wrong? And he's just saying that she's not the one I have for you. She's not the one. So there's a choice, right? He's already saved. His salvation is not in question. Neither is hers. But is he going to walk in obedience to Christ, which is going to tend to more growth in Christ and the blessings of Christ and the fullness of life and to apprehend what he apprehended Josh McDowell for, to walk in that? And so the whole way back on the flight, he's struggling. He's, he finally resigns and says, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell her, but you're going to have to you're going to have to fix this. You're going to have to make it right with her. It's going to sound crazy. In other words, you're going to have to convince her and comfort her and, and so forth. And so they, the plane lands. His fiance meets him. And right there at the airport, he tells her, the Lord showed me something. He showed me that you're not the one that I'm supposed to marry. And she says, I'm so thankful you said that. The Lord just showed me the same thing that you're not the one. God has something else for both of us. And he did. My, my point is, and I don't know who they married, and I don't know all the rest of the details. The point of that is even after you're saved, there was nothing immoral about marrying another Christian. And yet, to be led by the Lord and then to obey what God shows you, that's going to tend to more life. This is what we're talking about. At every turn, wherever God leads us, and the Bible says we're coming to know the Lord and we're growing in him. And the more we yield to him, the more we grow. And the Bible says that one day for now, it says now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. When? When we see the Lord face to face. Everybody in this room, even if you're lost, you're going to see the Lord face to face. Okay? Everybody's going to see him. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. But then shall I know even as also I am known. There's going to be a complete, in this, in this spiritual education, there's going to be a complete disclosure, full disclosure. There'll be, maybe we'll be learning Christ all through eternity. But still, there's going to come a day when the Bible says we know him as we're known. And so between now and then, there's a lot of growing and maturing, taking my yoke, taking the Lord's yoke and learning of Christ. I want to mention this. I want you to turn with me to your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. Just, we'll read one verse, verse 2, Romans 8, 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. I want to make a point here of that. There is a law, the Bible says, and it's a law of life. And the law of life is in Christ. Okay? This is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. We're not talking about man-made law. And here, we're, uh, the Bible's not even talking about the law of Moses or the Le Le Levitical law. He says the law of the spirit of life. 
that's the Holy Spirit, in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law, and just in general, is a fixed and established principle. And if you are governed by it, then certain results are inevitable. Does that make sense? And the law of gravity, if I, if I drop this pen, I don't expect it to float upward or go sideways because there's a law of gravity, right, that's going to pull it down. And if we're governed by that law, it's going to work, and it's going to work like that every time, not sometimes or perhaps or maybe. If we're governed by the law of gravity, that's what it's going to be. And here it's speaking about the law of the spirit of, of life in Christ Jesus, not the Mosaic law, okay, not a civil man-made law, the law of the spirit of life. Isn't that what we're talking about? There's a spirit of life. Where is it? In Christ Jesus. It has made me free from the law of sin and death. It's one or the other. And so we read through the Bible. This is not being legalistic, okay? It's not putting God in a box. It's not trying to, to make salvation as being a, a result of works or anything like that. It is simply what God has said in his word, okay? That certain things are inevitable. inevitable. When the Lord spoke to Adam and said, uh, he gave him all, of all the, the trees of the garden, he put the Lord in charge, uh, put Adam in charge, right? To tend the garden. And he, and he says, of all the trees, of the, uh, the, the fruit of the trees in the garden, thou mayest, mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of evil, good and evil in the midst of the garden, thou shalt not eat of it. And the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die, right? And so that's a law, okay? That's a law of life and death that was set before them to make a choice. I can enjoy all this, God, right? You can enjoy everything, everything. It's for your enjoyment and pleasure. Don't eat of this one, okay? The day you eat of it, not maybe you'll die, not perhaps you'll die, not there's a possibility that you'll die. It's a law. You eat of this, you're going to die, okay? And so... God is Jesus. Fruit forth in his word that there's a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. There are things that are told, we're told all through the Bible that tend to life. The labor of the righteous tendeth to life, but the fruit of the wicked to sin. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life. Okay, so we see these things over and over and over again. Is it a law? Yes, it's a law. It's a spiritual law. It's not man-made and it's not legalistic. It's simply a law. There's a spirit of the law, law of the, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that's made us free from the law of sin and death. It's one or the other. We want to choose life. And I'm going to, I'm going to bring this to a close. But every time, all that is in Christ, all that is, in, is of God is in Christ, right? In him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All that is of God is in Christ. And all that is of Christ or in Christ will live. Not dead things in Christ. There's not dead people. There's people we come dead and our sins and trespasses, but he quickens us and gives us life. All that's of God is in Christ, and all that is in Christ will live. Ezekiel speaks of it, and also in Revelation 22, I don't know if they're the same rivers, but it speaks of a river that's crystal clear water that's flowing from the, from the, under the throne of God, out of the temple, and it's coming out, and it says everything that liveth where the waters touch is going to live. Everything in Christ, and that's speaking of the Holy Spirit, okay? Everything that's, that the river touches 
lives. Jesus said, because I live, ye shall live also. And so we have this knowledge, this life through our knowledge of Christ, okay? Men seek after life, don't they? I, I remember studying in high school uh, in world history and American history. Do you remember all those famous explorers like Ponce de Leon and De La Salle and Cortez? And I remember I thought they were kind of cool. And I studied, we studied all these explorers that came from Spain or Portugal or, or, and came over to this part of the world. And I forget which one, it might have been Cortez, or, but they were, they were actually, uh, one of them was seeking for the fountain of life, fountain of youth. They thought that it was a real thing. They really believed that. They were going to find a fountain of youth and of life that if they drank from it, they would live forever. Men seek after life. Men seek after a happy life, a fulfilling life. They seek after their purpose in life. They, they want to live a life that makes a difference. They want a longer life. They want eternal life. And yet it's found only one way. This is life eternal, that they might know thee the only true God. Not only eternal life that lasts forever, but real life is in Christ. We're not living till we come to Christ. We're physically living, but we're not living. We were dead in our sins and trespasses until we came to Christ. Men seek it, and we have the answer. And we have the answer, and we're saved. And sometimes we don't pursue after it like this uh, explorer might have been pursuing after the fountain of youth. The Bible says, according as his divine power, I'm going to bring this to a close, as his divine power, first, Second Peter chapter 1, has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. How? According to, uh, uh, through our knowledge of him who's called us to glory and virtue. God has given us all things that pertain to life all things through Christ and our help, specifically our knowledge of Christ. All things that pertain unto life and godliness according to our knowledge of Christ. Amen. And so all through life, y'all, had a lot more scriptures, but I think the Lord had me to, to finish here. There's still a choice that you and I have to make. There are choices that we have to make. If you're lost, choose Christ. You're wasting your time. You're not promised tomorrow. You have today. He loves you. He wants to forgive you, save you. Uh, come and live inside of you, and you live inside of him, and then start a wonderful relationship with you and make you more like Jesus. He desires to do that. He died in order to do that, okay? But if you're saved and you've already given your life to the Lord, he wants us to walk in that fullness, the Lord said the same thing to Jeremiah. And unto this people thou shalt say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. He sets it before us. He sets it before us. And you say, Well, that, that's just a message, good message for a lost person. But this isn't a message for a lost person. This is a message for a saved person. That at every choice we would choose Christ. D, if you would come on up. We choose the Lord. When Adam and Eve sinned, they probably just didn't think of it. They should have thought of it, but they didn't think of it, and a lot of times we don't either. They're not just choosing a fruit to eat. They're choosing death. They chose death. That was their choice. He said, in the day you eat of it, you're going to surely die. And somehow Satan tricked them and beguiled them to think it was not going to be so. But it is so, and it was so. And the Lord wants us to grow, y'all. He wants us to grow. 
this life, the Bible says, is in his son. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his son. It's all about Christ. It's the life that you desire and long for. You say, well, I'm getting older. And, well, we all are. You know, and I've got all these different reasons. Christ is the life. You want eternal life? Come to Christ. You want abundant life? Come to the Lord and then daily choose life. He's setting those choices before you. Stand with me. The altars are open.